everybody. Alexa here. This is Altered Podcast. And today I wanted to talk to you about closing well, ending well. I don't know how this happened, but another year has already passed and we are at the closing of it. And endings are so important because they pave the way for what could or could not proliferate in the future. I used to be a yoga teacher and every single yoga practice finishes with Shavasana. It's just the way it goes, right? You finish with Shavasana and Shavasana, Shavasana translates to corpse pose. Right, it's the pose where we allow the practice to die away. We allow the practice to end so that we can be reborn into this more present, more embodied, more accurate version of self. All right, so as we close this year, I just invite you to begin the process of looking inward and really taking stock, taking account of what has actually happened and have you actually integrated it into your soma, into your body? You know, how often have we repeated lessons because they haven't fully integrated, right? Like we keep attracting the same exact partner in a different body, the same unavailable person with a different name, the same needy person with a different name, the same fill in the blank, unavailable, whatever, who knows? Everyone has their own version of this, right? But we repeat things unless we fully integrate them and unless we really actually take the lessons from them. I also can't help but think of, um, I was in Costa Rica last year um, doing uh, an ayahuasca ceremony at a beautiful place um, called Holos, and actually they're doing they're doing the same um, retreat with the same facilitators. Um, Karen and Lauren Taos are, are both facilitating it at Holos. I can't recommend it enough. So if you're looking for a, a retreat in January, please get yourself to Costa Rica. But in ayahuasca, when when we go into the jungle. And it's time to learn. It's time to see ourselves more clearly. It's time to get our questions answered in whatever way ayahuasca sees fit. If you don't know what ayahuasca is, it is a Peruvian psychoactive medicine. It comes from a vine. Um, it looks like a tree. Um, when they they take the leaves and they turn it, they they turn the leaves and the vines into a drink, and it is a psychedelic medicine. There's, they say that it is a um, grandmother spirit that lives in these vines. It's very feminine in nature. Um, it's very specific and deliberate, right? She's not, um, she's not full of universal truths. She's very deliberate to you. She's talking to you. And um, it's a very potent and powerful medicine. A lot of people have resistance to it because it um, sometimes makes people purge. Um, but let me tell you, as someone who has taken the psychoactive substance, the purge is welcomed. <laughs> the purge is very clearly something specific that you're letting go of. But regardless, back to how this all relates, when you go into the ceremony, 
with however many people are there. When it begins, they blow out all the candles. So you're in complete darkness. Because it's only in that state of complete darkness that we go in deep enough to really internalize the lessons and to really understand the epicness of what's occurring. There's no distractions. It's just us. There's no speaking. You don't speak to anyone else. It's all just you and the medicine. And it's a journey of sorts. And that's really very much what a year is, right? We are with ourselves. We come into this world alone. We die alone. We have these experiences with each other, and those are magnificent pieces of the proverbial puzzle. But really, we are, we are the ones we've been waiting for, right? We are, the, we are the thing that carries us through the entire year. And it's up to us to really experience what we're experiencing. And you have this whole journey that is skewed toward your intention, right? You go in very deliberately. You go in very intentionally. Um, It really comes down to set and setting, right? The place that you are and the setting of the intention as well. So it's all kind of skewed in the direction of your intention. And after a certain amount of time, the candle gets relit. And when the candle gets relit, you know that it's over even though it's not at all over. No, it's still being integrated. There's still so much to be understood. But the experience itself in that moment is over when the candle is lit. And so this finality of 2023 is the relighting of the candle. And it's from that place, the relighting of the candle, that we take the lessons with us. So just some inquiry for moving toward 2024 just getting clear on what actually happened in 2023, right? If you're a journaler, I 10 out of 10 recommend you carving out some time just to sit with what actually happened. What happened in 2023? I went back to graduate school. What happened in 2023? My dad moved out of the home he had been in for however many years. What happened in 2023? I became a fill in the blank, right? Really get clear on what happened, highs, lows, all of it, mundane moments. Have you ever had those like little mundane moments that are seemingly like throwaways, but for some reason they really stay with you and you relive them? Like write those down, get really clear on what occurred. And then notice after you've made your list or really thought about it or meditated on it, I like to write it down again, hitting that home, but it's up to you. What did those experiences teach you about you? Not about everyone else. Not like, oh, I learned that she's an asshole. You know, like, no. What did they teach you about you? What are you understanding? What what understanding has come from these experiences about yourself and about the way that you show up to the good, the bad, the ugly? And then just check in. What was different this year? What was different? Did you show up to certain things differently? Was there less reactivity? Was there more reactivity? Was there grief? Was there more heartbreak? Was there more? What was different? Because we're constantly on this journey of shifting and evolving. Even if we think we're totally stagnant, it's just not true. We are constantly, constantly changing. So, what was different? And something I talk about a lot because I, 
find that it's a good visual, at least it is for me, is who was driving the car of your life? You know, I know a lot of us would like to think like, oh, well, I'm driving the car of my life. I'm in charge. Like I'm making the decisions. I do the work. I do the things. Sure. On a, on a physical level, you are technically driving the car of your life, I suppose. But what's driving you? Right. A lot of my clients, a lot of people that I work with, fear is driving the car of their life, right? Fear is making the decisions. Fear is driving the, oh, we, we need to make a right here and not a left. Fear is I'm choosing this place instead of this place. Fear is I'm going to stay with this partner instead of leaving, right? So who is driving the car? For And it, it could be an emotion. It could be fear. It could be love. That'd be great. It also could be that your parent is driving the car of your life. You could be a hundred years old and your parent could still be making your decisions for you. They could still be your internalized voice or your pastor or your teacher or whoever. So just notice if it's really you or if it's some aspect of you or someone else that is actually outside of you that is living inside of your brain because we all have it. So in 2023, who, for the most part, was driving the car of your life? And do you like that? Like, do you like the radio station they choose to listen to? Or are you ready to change it up? Right? Do you like the way that they made you feel on the road trip called life? Or are you ready to take control of the wheel yourself? Because that is a huge point of differentiation. I can even hear it in myself, right? Like when I'm when I'm going through something or in an argument, I can just check in like, well, who's in the driver's seat right now? Because sometimes my like three-year-old self is in the driver's seat and I'm having a fight, right? And it's not me. It's not my highest self. It's not love. It's my three-year-old scared little girl who's driving the car. And three-year-olds shouldn't drive. They really shouldn't, <laughs> you know? So it's really important to just get clear. And this next question, this next piece of inquiry um, seems obvious, but it's, it's when you really break it down, it really comes back to our mortality as well. Right? If we have any regrets, there's an old African proverb that says, when death finds you, may it find you fully alive. And that's really like what it comes down to, right? What makes us fully alive? And are we doing anything that's keeping us from that? What do we regret? Are there any regrets? And can you rectify that? Right? If you have one more day on this planet, work on it, work toward it. Yeah. I'm just sitting with that for a second. Regrets around relationships, regrets around things you did or didn't do this year. And then you can actually expand that, right? If if you knew that this were the last year of your life, what would you regret long-term? And in this year that's coming forward, can you start to rectify? Can you start to move toward whatever it is? Because those, those regrets, it, we're all leaving, right? Death is guaranteed. Life is not. So let's leave here without regrets, okay? Are you where you want to be? 
Are you where you want to be physically, mentally, emotionally? And it's not about looks or validation or anything of that nature. Like, oh, I need to look this way or feel. It's like, no, for you, for you and what feels really good, right? Embodying the highest version of you. Are you actually where you want to be, right? Maybe you're in a place that you don't want to be in. Maybe you're in a city that doesn't serve you, or maybe your internal landscape, your emotional landscape is not all the rage, right? Maybe it is um, a bad neighborhood. You couldn't pay me to live in. So just get clear. Am I where I want to be physically, mentally, emotionally? And if not, where do you want to be? I know so often we focus on what do we want out there in the future, my goals. Yes, but let's also look at what's underneath and why we haven't gotten there. Like what's been the blockade? Because there there must be some if you're not exactly where you want to be. And who were your teachers this year, your greatest teachers? And here's a hint. It's not necessarily going to be the person who lit up your life. Necessarily. Maybe yes. Right. But often our greatest teachers comes in come in strange packages. Right? They're people that we struggle with. They're people that don't accept us. People that don't appreciate us. They are people that judge. Right. So what are they teaching you? about you. I have a person in my life currently who um, is a family member and will never approve of me in any way, shape, or form. I could be Mother Teresa and this person would 100% disapprove. And it's such a lesson for me in surrender. And it's such a lesson for me in continuing down the path of doing things from love instead of for love. Because I could do everything. I could like buy this person a mansion in Italy and they'd still be like, fuck you. You still suck. So don't do it for love. Do it from love. Because you're so full Right, that you want to be generous, or you're so well taken care of that you want to do this thing that or that thing, not because oh my god, I need to do this so they're not mad at me. Right, so that's the lesson for me in integrating some of these teachers and seeing everybody as a teacher is so wildly helpful. It takes the pressure off, and it turns it into a reason. It's not just like oh my god, they're a dick. <laughs> there's there's a reason. And that's so helpful. So, so helpful. So what have they taught you? What can they still teach you? And then how can you integrate it? Like, how can you actively practice it? Like with this person in my family who will never approve of me, part of my integration is feeling into what it feels like when I want to do things for love for this person. Like, oh, maybe if I do this, they'll they'll uh, be nice to me or they won't judge me or they, oh my. So I notice when that's happening. And I make a holy shift. Like I, I, I go the other way. I do less. I breathe. I take time. I, I, I notice it. Right. It comes down to so much humility and so much awareness. So you have to bring more presence to where, where the integration is needed. That's so, so important. 
And then in 2024, what do you desire to embody? We can't think of feeling. You just can't do it. So it's not about, oh, I want to, I, I want to feel good. Well, no, great that you want to feel good, but what does feeling good feel like? And do you have a reference point for that? Do you have a memory or a moment that you can think about or meditate on where feeling good was present? So what are we wanting to embody in the next year? And do you have a reference point for that or an example of someone who embodies that really well, right? Like I, um, for the longest time, I really struggled um, with my relationship to my body. And I remember setting the intention to be to to embody a sense of peace in my body. And I didn't have a reference point for that, but I knew somebody who did. And I and I knew somebody who was really clear and clean with their body. And not like clean like cleaning, like clean like not judgmental, clean like acceptance, clean like love. Right. So do you have a reference point? Can you just feel into what that might feel like? And then ask yourself, what would that version of me do, be, feel, and think? Right? If I'm embodying someone who loves themselves, how would that person eat their lunch? How would that person talk to that person? How would that person talk to themselves? How would that person move their body? Right. It's not just, oh yeah, I embody it. It's okay, well, great. But now it's also the action piece. What would someone who loved themselves do, be, think, feel? Or what would someone who was free do, be, think, feel? All of those inquiries around whatever it is that you're wanting to embody. And you can embody a million things and you will embody a million things. But getting really clear on a few things specifically, right? Like I, (laughs) so funny. So I had this birthday celebration with um, some of my friends from San Luis Obispo, where I'm from originally. And they were like, it was time to blow out the cake, candles on the cake. And they were like, wait, what, what do you want this year? Like, what are you, what are you wanting to be or do or what? And (laughs) I said it and out of context, it sounded so stupid, but to me, it made so much sense because I've really been practicing it. But I was like, I want to be like the nectar. (laughs) And everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're crazy. And what I meant by that was it's like, I, I do, I'm a big doer. I do a lot. And instead of being the bee, I want to be the nectar, the thing that's just present and that everything kind of comes to. Uh, right, it's it's the thing that that is wanted. It's the thing that is um, is going to pollinate all the other things. But it pollinates all the other things by just being, not by running around and being a busy bee. Right. So that's what I was trying to get across. But it was a funny moment at my birthday party. But right, like that's that's part of what I'm really embodying in 2024 is the the nectar piece. And no, it's not um, a very stereotypical answer. But I think. That visual for me really made sense. So if there's a visual or something really specific that helps you embody whatever it is that you want in 2024, use it. Absolutely use it. I have a very clear image and have a very clear reference point from it. So it really helps me. So think outside the box on that. So no one likes this question, but it's very, very important. 
So in order for you to embody whatever it is that you want, what needs to die? What needs to go? What's getting in the way of me being the nectar, right? What's getting in the way of you being free? What's getting in the way of you being available? What is it that is the blockade? Because it's never about adding on. It's always about removing. Like you were you were born in perfection, fully integrated, knowing your magnificence. And then we have all the stories. We have all the infiltration. We have all the ego. We have all the stuff that gets layered societally, interpersonally, familially, um, in every way, shape, or form. So it's a removing. What needs to be removed in order for you to really fully step into what you're wanting to step into in 2024? And let, let me just remind you that birth and death always happen at the same time. You can't have one without the other. Burying something and planting something look identical, right? If you give birth to something, like if if I have a physical child, my old life has died. The old version of Alexa is gone. It's dead, right? And that's maybe a gnarly way of saying it, but it is true, right? And if I give birth to a new business, what had to die in order for that business to happen. Maybe part of my social life had to die in order for that to happen. Maybe um, a habit had to die in order for that to happen. So what are you giving birth to and what needs to die in order for that to happen? And death is just birth. And birth is just death. And they're both totally safe. Totally safe. Something to consider going into 2024 is really paying attention and acknowledging the moments. You know, life is made up of moments. Most of your life is moments. It's not necessarily these big crescendos of like, I did this three month trip to Europe or I got married or I did, you know, it's like, yeah, those things happen to some of us. Very privileged. It's, it's amazing. Great. We all have crescendos, but the moments, the mundane and making the mundane meaningful and adding, adding more presence to them is really what cultivates a meaningful life, right? It's, it's all sacred. It's all sacred. There's nothing that is more sacred than anything else. And the way we do anything is really the way we do everything. So notice how you do it. How much presence do you bring to it? How much joy do you bring to it? How much levity do you bring to it? How much fill in the blank, right? Whatever. Ram Dass talks about um, non-attachment. I love Ram Dass, big fan. And he, his favorite mantra, which I've talked a little bit about on here is, ah, so, ah, so, you just won a million dollars. Ah, so you just got diagnosed with cancer. Ah, so you just got a trip to Europe. Ah, so you just lost everything. Ah, so it's all just 
openness and it's all meaningful and it's all mundane. And the more stories and attachment that we put to each of those things, the harder and stickier life gets. There's the story of an old farmer and um, one day um, his horse breaks free and he loses his horses and he can't till his farm. And his neighbor goes up to him and says, oh, no, very unlucky. And, And the farmer says, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And the next day. The horse comes back with three other wild horses. So now he's got more horses than he ever had in the first place. And the neighbor comes up and goes, oh my gosh, very lucky. And the farmer says, I don't know, could be, could be not. And the next day, the the farmer has a son and the son is on one of the horses and the horse bucks him off and he breaks his leg and the, and the, the neighbor comes by. Oh, wow, very unlucky. The farmer goes, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And then the next day, uh, there's a war that breaks out and they come by taking kids uh, for recruitment. And luckily, you know, that uh, the farmer's son had broken his leg, so didn't get recruited. And the neighbor goes, oh, wow, very lucky. And farmer goes, maybe, maybe not. Right. So it's, it's all that. We can't always see the bigger picture of things. So the less we can attach to it, the better, right? I know a lot of people with a lot of money who are deeply unhappy. And I know a lot of people with very little who are very happy. And that's not to say that one is better than the other. It's the attachment piece that brings suffering. It really is. So, ah, so, ah, so great. Ah, so bummer. Ah, so let it be what it is rather than what you want it to be. So then finally, just checking in, what is 2024 the year of? What do you want it to be the year of? The year of peace, the year of expansion, the year of excitement, of curiosity. What is it the year of? Maybe give it like a title page, right? Like a word and and let that word be your guide right throughout the year. How can I bring, like if, if my word is curiosity, Right, 2024 is the year of curiosity. How can I bring curiosity to this situation? How can I bring curiosity to this work? How can I bring curiosity to this experience? How can I bring curiosity to this relationship? Right, if that's the word, let it permeate every experience. And then is there a song or um, a practice that helps you really tap into that? Right, like if you're, again, if, if it's a year of love for you, is there a song that makes you embody love, right? You feel into it and it's just like, ooh, this is so delicious. And it's so, so you can kind of use this as your theme song to help you really get into the feeling that you want to feel because that's really what it comes down to. It's not about the thing. It's not about getting a body or getting a goal or getting a whatever, getting a certain amount of money or getting a relationship. You want those things because of the way they make you feel, not because of the things themselves, right? Like forever, I convinced myself that I wanted a certain body, right? But what I really wanted was to feel safe. And I had I had connected safety with thinness. But if I can just feel safe, it doesn't matter what my body looks like. And I like my body quite a bit, actually. But it, it took a journey of really realizing that. Right, that what I really wanted was safety. 
So what do you really, really want? Because it's not about the things, right? If you want a certain amount of money, it's probably not about the money. It's about the freedom or it's about the safety or it's about the expansion. So if you can get those things, ironically, if you can get those things, the feeling, the stuff can come and go. And it's not about the stuff. Ah, uh, so, right? So find your word, embody it. Find rituals and practices and journeys that allow you to really feel into it and tap into it and then let it go. Feel into the feeling and let it go. If it comes, let it. If it goes, let it. Ah, so make the mundane meaningful. Add more presence to it. What is this trying to teach me? All of it is trying to teach you. Integrate it all. Because again, if we don't integrate it, we repeat it. All right, you guys. So grateful for your time. So grateful that we got to connect. I love you. I hope you have the most meaningful holiday celebration, whatever that holiday is. I hope that you feel connected to yourself. I hope that you get to connect to loved ones if that feels authentic to you. And may you have a beautiful closure, a beautiful ending to 2023.